Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we destroy the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. And today... We are going way beyond. We're going into the water. We are going into labor and birth in the water, which is absolutely related to, as I'm sure you know, the breastfeeding experience is very much related to what your labor and delivery experience has been. And lucky for me, I have with me today a very experienced midwife, and that is Lois Wattis. Lois, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you. Oh. Lois, I have to admit, when I saw this about labor and birth in the water, the first thing I thought was, okay, I've had a lot of labor and delivery experience, but I would not be prepared to talk about this by myself. I really need your help. So I have a lot of questions, and I know that our listeners will have a lot of questions. The first of which is, why would a laboring woman want to be immersed in a warm water? What does that do for her? Well, it does a lot for her um, physically. Um, it, the immersion in the water reduces opposition to gravity. So she's able to move around much more easily and it also conserves her energy. Apart, the main attraction for being in water is the pain relief that is given immediately. We all know what it's like when you may have had a, a hard day, maybe gone for a long run, and you get into a bath and relax in warm water. It, yeah. it soothes your muscles and it makes you feel refreshed. Uh, yes. And relaxed, and so this is the exact um, experience that women have when they get into water. However, it does much more than that. Just the pain relief, because the deep warm water gives her buoyancy, enabling her to move around and and free freely maneuver to work with her, her contractions, um, and that assists the descent of the baby uh, through the birth canal. Lois, how does this work? Because I've uh, taken care of a lot of women who have back labor. Would you say that it is beneficial for, uh uh-huh, uh-huh? Certainly, certainly, yeah. So uh, if someone has a back labor and the baby's in the OP or posterior position, that is tends to be uh, a longer labor because the baby needs to slowly rotate inside the pelvis to get itself into the optimal position for actually coming out. So back labors particularly are long and arduous and, uh, you know, being in the water often speeds that up and makes the woman more able to move with her, her baby to and position herself to help that baby to do the turn that it needs to do um, to then be in the right position for the second stage. And I'm thinking that when you when you said that about the buoyancy, that was what just hit me like, wow, if there's buoyancy, it seems like it would help that baby to turn around so that he would be in the anterior a, position, right? 
It does. It certainly does. Whether Whatever baby position is in at the beginning of the labour, the woman can position herself, you know, on all fours or kneeling up or laying back or leaning forward. Uh, and, and all of those positions, obviously, the, the caregivers are helping her to be at her most comfortable and looking after her in that time with, with sips of water and reassurance, of course. And that's all facilitating endorphin release which is oh, helping yes. with her oh, yes. pain relief, which then makes for an efficient progress of the labour. It also, the um, the water assists with relaxation of the pelvic floor. So sure. that alleviates pain and Absolutely. optimises the progress of the labour. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I am really not up on all of the research with labor because I don't do that anymore. But but truth is that I have many times put a warm water bottle on somebody's back when they're having back labor because that's so yeah. soothing. And so I'm thinking right. this would do the same thing, only better, I would think. Now, let me play devil's advocate here. This show is really mostly for mothers and those who serve them, but I can just hear some obstetricians saying, well, no, no, Ms. Wattis, wouldn't wouldn't that be a problem for infection because of the, the germs that would be in the tub? What would you say to that? Oh, well, it's, it, it, we're talking about... You know, clean water, but the normal water which we would have in a in a um, a modern society coming out of the tap is safe. <laughs> we don't actually we don't actually add anything to the water. In fact, that's uh, discouraged. Putting any scents or any other additions oh. to the water, there's no need for it. Um, sure. Just clean water. Uh, and it, there is no risk of injury. In fact, it, the research has shown very clearly there is no additional risk, um, increased risk of infection, even if the water, the mother's uh, membranes have already yeah. ruptured. Ruptured. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, if, if the membranes have already gone, her waters yeah. have already broken, there's, the research has shown there is no increased risk of her being immersed in water in that scenario. That was my next question. I could just see somebody getting real excited about uh, when she's minus membranes, they're going to say, oh, what about? But it sounds like the research shows that, in fact, that is not a, a, a risk factor. Uh, so, That's true. Uh, Lois, let me ask you this. How many of these births in water have you seen? Me personally? Yes. <laughs> uh, about 100, I suppose, and I haven't been wow. working in the birth environment most recently either. I'm working as a specialist lactation consultant in a consultant role at a major hospital, so um, I'm not in birth suite much anymore. Um, uh-huh. However, I've, I was in private practice as an independently practising midwife for many years, not in this state, in Western Australia, in, Queen, in uh, Australia, uh-huh. um, and... Uh, yes, uh, and you know this isn't new. This is this is something that's been, you know, going on in in rather more rudimentary ways, but certainly birth labour and birth in water since the eighties and nineties here in Australia. So it's nothing new, which actually means we've got a really good body of evidence over some time, some twenty or more years, um, to confirm the safety of it, and also to inform us about safe conduct of it, because you know there are do's and don'ts for sure. And the sure. number one don't is is to try and do this going it alone. You know, if, oh, whenever uh-huh. a labour birth is happening in in a water environment, be it in a hospital or a home, 
uh, it's absolutely essential that um, a, a skilled midwife is with that woman and a, wo- a midwife that's experienced with water birth. Lois, when you say that the midwife is with the woman, does that mean that she is within an arm's length of the woman or she just needs to be in the general environment? Look, it depends on the, the, the situation, but she is near enough to know, be monitoring uh, unobtrusively what's going on. Okay. Uh, and, you know, that there's, there's, um, there's other benefits too in that the woman in that environment, in the pool, however it is set up, she feels like she's in a safe zone. Uh, uh-huh. You know, she feels like she's she's being, um, she has enhances her sense of privacy and that is uh, liberating for her as well. She can then be uninterrupted unless absolutely needed uh, and that, that then the, the labour is not being interrupted either. So skilled midwives would be monitoring as often as they need to, and that would be in intermittent listening to the baby. And we, and we have waterproof uh, Dopplers that that can be listened. The baby mother doesn't need to lift herself out or or anything yeah. to have a look okay. to the baby's heart. Um, we can listen while she's in the position that she's in. Check all is well. Have a good look, and you know the the area can be just as she wants it, uh, but she's in her. Uh, very private and safe zone, being supported by her loved ones usually. Lois, we already talked about the rupture of membranes not being a contraindication. Are there any? Are there any other uh, factors that would prohibit the woman from being uh, in a, a a water labor? Um, look, we're talking about uh, a well woman uh, with an uncomplicated. Um, cephalic head first baby ideally Um, but we're watchful as well that uh, we're not seeing anything um, untoward that appear like we would be watching if she began bleeding for example she needs to get out of the pool we need to find out what's going on sure we're also watching her temperature and the temperature of the water we don't want the woman getting overheated i was wondering yes because the baby's temperature inside her is one degree higher than her her uh, measurable temperature and if, being excessively hot is a risk factor for the baby. So in that scenario, if we thought the woman was getting a bit hot, we might just cool the water down or getting her to stand up for a while to cool her body down. She doesn't necessarily need to get out. If we saw uh, meconium lycor coming oh, out uh, of sure. China, that would be an indication to get out and have a look what's going on. Sure. Um, another situation might be if progress is very slow. Sometimes women need to get out of the water just to move around, change the environment, go and sit on the toilet, have a wee, and, you know, that in itself will sometimes get the progress of the labour going as well. I totally um, agree. Yeah. So, so yes. I think that so basically as long as all is well, and you and I know what that means, then she certainly may labour in the uh, – in the pool, and there are some standards for how warm how, how warm should the pool be? Um, pretty much body temperature, 37, 38 at the okay. most. Yeah. Okay. Degrees Celsius, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, for my U.S. listeners, that's about 98.6. Okay. And so, Lois, can, can they do this in either a, I'm going to say, hospital or a birth center or at home? Could they do it in any of those settings? Yes, as long as everything's set up with the right environment, the right caregiver, clean water, 
uh, and ideally any birth should be within easy proximity. If you're going to need to transfer to a hospital, you've already arranged that. The woman's already right. booked in. Sometimes things don't go to plan uh, and we need to have a plan B. We always have sure. a plan B. Plan B, agreed. But if everything's, if everything's going well, um, you know, then it, it, there's no need to be um, interfering. The, you know, it, it minimises the interference with the, the whole process. We also know that it, um, the, uh, the buoyancy and being in the water uh, allows for more efficient uterine contractions and better blood circulation. So the baby's actually getting an easier ride as well because uh, that's increasing the oxygenation to the uterine muscles for them to work better, but also the baby's placenta is is still working optimally as well. So there are absolute advantages, not just be, not just uh you know, warm, fuzzy, nice to do. Yes. (laughs) And Lois, I don't know if you know this or not. You're not an anthropologist, but uh, do we have any data that shows that women gave, uh, uh, I don't know about the birth, but that that women labored in the ocean a million years ago or anything like that? Do we know anything like that? I'm not sure about the ocean, but I know uh, historically there are accounts of women in other cultures. Um, I think some uh, even... American and Indian cultures, uh, certainly there is talk of it in uh, Aboriginal communities as well, that using rivers and riverbanks and the women getting into rivers is quite, uh, that pops up in uh, historical accounts as well. Um, But uh, yeah, it, it's not an, an un, not something that's never been done. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. Is it's not something we just thought up in the '80s or something? Wow, this is really interesting. Hey, everybody, do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to Be Breastfed. I'm here today with Lois Wattis, who is educating me tremendously about <laughs> uh, laboring in the water. And when we come back, we'll be talking more about the birth. So stand by. There's plenty to learn. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I would like to invite all of you to come to my new website. Now, I know that when you're listening to this, you may have already discovered it, so maybe it doesn't feel too new to you, but it's going to feel new to me for quite a while. Uh, You will find me at MarieBiancuto.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O. If you go to MarieBiancuto.com, you will be able to easily access this podcast. Uh, Obviously, you're already there. Uh, But there's over 200 episodes that I have done over almost five years now. And there's something for everybody, whether you are pregnant, lactating, wish that you were lactating, or anything else. There's plenty to keep you busy there. I've also got my blog, and I've got some free handouts. You are welcome to sign up to be a Marie Insider. I would strongly urge you to do that so that you can stay right up to the minute with all of the good information that I will be offering you over the next many years, I hope. So, Lois, I want to know, I'm not sure if, if, if I should be using the term water birth, because that sort of implies that the baby is born under the water, and that's not my understanding of how it works. Can you explain that a little bit, or am I wrong? Where am I, what's the real deal here? Okay, baby absolutely is born under the water, and that's a crucial part of the process. The, The woman, the baby, the mother must be in a position where she's fully immersed, She's either fully in or fully out. Uh, we can't have bub halfway in, halfway out because of the stimulation that the air would be giving to the baby. You certainly can't go back in after baby's partly out. So a water birth is, is absolutely that. The baby is, 
body is coming out completely immersed and the mother from the hips down is completely immersed. So, And the beauty of that is that the, the as the baby uh, comes out, the head comes out and then usually there's a, a pause and the shoulders rotate and the rest of the baby comes out. That's all taking place under the water. Now, the, for the baby, it's still in a water. It's come from a water environment. It's still in a watery environment. So the stimulation to begin breathing hasn't occurred. The the air, it doesn't, the, the gasp respiratory or the dive reflex that the baby naturally has yes. stops it from uh, taking a breath until it's lifted up out of the water and, and experiences the uh, the air on its body and its face and uh, and then the birth is over. However, um, you know, the people worry that the baby may somehow Brown. breathe in the water. It just yeah. it simply won't. Huh. I've just never seen this. This is so foreign to me, and I've worked a lot of labor and delivery, but it's always been in a hospital yeah. setting. And so I'm just trying to imagine how does this baby not take a – how does this not get in his – nostrils and in his mouth and how does he not so you're telling me that if if he's used to being in this watery environment which indeed he is then this is actually familiar to him so he does not have the stimulus to take a breath is am i getting it that's that's it the environment hasn't really changed until uh-huh. the baby is lifted out of the water so that all all babies right up to six months have this uh, instinctive uh, dive reflex that they actually uh, inside the throat, the larynx closes off and anything that does go into its mouth will be swallowed, not breathed. Um, no. So they, they close it off and that actually is in place, uh, that reflex stays in place for six months after the baby's born. Now, Lois, somewhere so, I read on the internet, you know, that, that great place where all, <laughs> all information is, it, it, there was a story about a woman who had a water birth, and she said her baby had to be resuscitated. Now, I have worked labor and delivery long enough to know that there's a lot of reasons why that baby might need to be resuscitated, and I don't know that it was necessarily as related to the water birth, but how would you reassure people, I guess maybe from what you've just said, that it, that it is reflexic and so there must have been another reason why the baby had to be resuscitated. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. There, there okay. can be a multiple of re- multitude of reasons, can't there, for a baby needing some help of getting course. going. Of course. Um, but yes. the, but in this, this environment where we've got a well woman who's birthed and laboured and birthed without drugs, um, the babies are typically born in excellent condition, relaxed and alert um, because they've not been influenced by any drugs or uh, during the labour. So they're usually very, very calm entrance to the world. Um, now, just on that matter, um, there's actually a different APGAR score that's been developed for waterborne ah, babies. Because ah. they, they actually, because they come out so relaxed and they may take a little longer to to get going with their breathing and crying um, once they're brought out of the water and with on the mother's chest. And so we've adapted the APGAR scores to reflect that that just slower uh, adjustment that happens. Uh-huh. Bearing in uh-huh. mind also the, the 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 umbilical cord is still there Attached. and functioning, right. uh, providing right. the ox- yeah oxygenated uh, oxygenating the baby 
you know, straight after the birth, it's still functioning. So the baby's not at any risk of, um, of any sort of adverse event uh, simply because it's been born in water. But we do allow that little bit longer for it to, to begin to cry and breathe and colour up. So, Lois, how does this work? The baby is born in the water. Does the mother reach out and scoop him up or does he crawl up to the breast the way that he uh, it does for the parent? Um, usually, how, how, how does that work? Well, what, however the parents have planned it to, some mothers are very keen to catch their own babies and lift them up. Some dads are, are keen to be the one that catches the baby and lifts it up. Um, so the midwife may well be the one that catches the baby and lifts it up. And obviously things like whether there's cord around the baby, the oh, midwife right. will be watching closely right. to right. check that yeah. all is, is good there and be unravelling things if they need to. I might add it's much, much easier to unravel sure. a cord in the water than it is in, in you know, Absolutely. in the air. Uh, the, the water, the cord just floats around. And also if there's been any, this is interesting for you, if there's been any meconium uh, expelled, which often happens with a term baby, it's expelled after the baby is born uh, or sometimes there's a bit of meconium. I've actually seen meconium come floating out of the ears and nose of a baby uh, as it came through the water. So the meconium's actually come, gone away by the time the baby's raised up to the air. Oh, my. Oh, my. So it's an amazing sight to see, you know, the fluids just coming out of the ears and the nose. And so then there's no risk of them having breathed it in. So, Lois, what I imagine this in my mind to be a very peaceful, non-stressful sort of action. So it is. so help us to understand what these benefits would be for, first of all, breastfeeding, because that's what I want to know about, but also any other benefits? I mean, does it help the baby to sleep better or anything? How, how, does, how does this help the baby? Look, I think the important things are that there's no, um, there's been very good uh, uh, studies and checks that uh, Swiss have particularly have done some studies on it and they found the lowest rate of neonatal infection, um, the highest APGAR scores were significantly higher after water births, um, just as a reassurance that the babies aren't compromised in any way. I think right. that's reassuring information. Yes. But we all know the baby that you get is the baby that you get. There right. will be people that say this baby's really chilled out, really calm, much less trouble, who knows really, you can't say. We all know that all babies are the people that they're going to be right from the start. And um, But certainly from an, an enhanced, let's just say an optimal experience, an optical birth, option, opt, optional birth experience for the mother and the baby that is setting them on the best course for successful breastfeeding. And certainly in my experience of my home birth practice, we had very, very few breastfeeding problems. Yeah, again, I went to the internet and really looked this up before I got you on the show, and I was astonished at the number of women who said that their baby got right on, latched on, did beautifully, Um, and so there's a part of me that thinks, now look, this is not necessarily cause and effect, but that being said, we certainly know that when 
when the baby is in a situation that is very low stimulus, I don't even know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean, when there's not a lot of noxious stimuli. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I try to minimize noxious stimuli, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that that's the story that the baby is, is uh, you know, birthed and put straight to the uh, mother's um, chest. They're connecting in the way that mothers do, you know, that, that same euphoric experience of discovering each other, seeing each other for the first yes. time. Yes, yes. The skin-to-skin contact is immediate. Um, and, oh, you know, we will put a towel over the mother and baby to keep them warm, dry the baby's head. Uh, you know, obviously we're looking after all those basic, th- you know, caregiver things, um, but very frequently when the baby's ready, it'll be wriggling down to to um, to be in contact with the breast. And, of course, that is our trigger and our physiological um, uh, benefit of uh, helping the third stage to happen. So and that the, the baby's in contact with the breast and stimulating all those uh, hormones, the oxytocin is at its highest it's will ever be at any time in that woman's life, and that's going to enhance the third stage, the, just the uh, expulsion of the placenta. I, I might want to talk a little bit about that when we come back from the break, but Lois, just real quick in the half a minute or so we have left here, uh, help me to know this. Do you wipe off the mother or the baby, or do you just sort of let them hang out in the water? How? What do you do? Look, um, th- when they're not rushed, let's say they're not okay. rushed. Okay, okay, um, that's fair. Uh, and, uh-huh. and yeah, uh, and you know, each uh, each mother and baby combo is going to be unique, and um, you know what the mother wants or feels. But most times, they'll spend a little more time in the water. Um, okay. Some caregivers want the mother to be out of the tub to deliver okay. the placenta, okay. uh, certainly okay. in the hospital environment. The, that might be a regu- you know, a, a, one of the rules of the place, that they want the mother moved out of the tub for the third stage. But very often, you know, the third stage just happens in the water anyway, sure. uh, fairly yeah. rapidly after the baby. I, um, I can but, imagine that, you know, yes. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so, look at it. So it depends on the situation. Hey, everybody, do not go away. Lois Wattis and I will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with midwife Lois Wattis, who has, I believe, given us some tremendous insights into water birth, its safety, the research behind it, and pretty much everything that Lois has said is that there's seemingly no negative effect. But, Lois, I'm going to push you a little bit harder on this because I have seen that some people are concerned about the fact that when the baby is born, and there's there's excellent uh, research behind this, uh, there have been a number of studies that I have been following since the late 1970s or so with Dr. Verendi, and what he has shown is that the taste and the smell of the amniotic fluid is similar to or reminiscent of the same uh, taste or smell of the mother's milk. And so some people have have raised, and that's true. I mean, there's no question about that. There's several studies that show that. But this, so so people have raised the concern about water birth. Well, aren't you taking off that amniotic fluid, and wouldn't that inhibit the baby's pre-feeding behaviors and so forth and so on? So what do you say to that? Um, yes, the amniotic fluid isn't on the baby as much, but then when a baby's born on land, you know, in the air, there's a whole lot of rubbing and drying and whatever goes on immediately too, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, to get yeah. that baby dry. So it largely is um, removed from the baby. Now, don't forget babies, most of them are born with some vernix, and vernix is very sticky. Uh, right. Most of the births that I have seen, baby's got some vernix on its head or its hands or its chest or somewhere, particularly around the neck, it yes. tends to be, have vernix. And so that's there. 
And so that is likely to be on the mother's chest, uh, you know, and her hands as she's handling the baby. Um, so I've never seen any adverse effects of the lack of amniotic water, but, but uh, amniotic fluid um, from a water birth. But, uh, you know, that I have heard that um, that question raised before uh, and, you know, I've, I've not seen any um, adverse effects of losing the amniotic fluid, but I believe that, that most of it's rubbed off in any birth, actually, um, be it as, even a cesarean, most of it's gone before it gets to the mother. Um, so, yeah, the vernix is doing its job. Well, there's a couple of things that jump out at me. Uh, first of all, for those of you who might know not know, vernix is that cheesy substance that is on babies. But uh, the amniotic fluid is kind of a slippery, gooey uh, fluid. I'm thinking that even if it was under the water, I'm not sure that that would completely wash it off because it's got no, that slip. Not. The slippery quality to it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. All right, so, yes. so here's... Here's another one that came up is people have asked, what about keeping the bra on or a shirt on or something like that so that the breasts are not submerged? And I'm trying to figure out why people would think that the submerging would be problematic. But anyway, I suppose that you could lose some colostrum or something just because the breasts would be warm. But what do you recommend? What have you seen? How do you feel about this? What a strange question. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, uh, look, look you, if you go on the internet and Google uh, you know, YouTube videos or images of, and I certainly had a gallery of images of, of water births on my website for many years, um, you'll see women with tops on, without tops on, whatever it feels right for that woman is right for her. And some sure. women will want to have a top on, but it soon comes off after the baby's born because they were facilitating breastfeeding. Um but certainly I wouldn't be worried about any loss of colostrum. Colostrum's a continuous production process right. and, and uh, you know, it's in there and it's at its highest uh, ejection level in that first um, first uh, hour or so after the baby is born. Um, one of the very interesting facts that I've learned recently is the sheer volume of colostrum, which can be expressed if it needs to be oh, expressed uh -huh, uh -huh. within the first hour after birth is staggering it can be up to 20 mils and yes. then hours after the birth we're lucky to get one um, <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about that the baby's uh, everything's tuned in for optimal um, transfer once that baby is born yeah and as I mentioned before the baby in contact with the mother's chest and breast and uh, is going to be helpful for the expulsion of the placenta as well yeah, I usually like to say that we are rigged for survival, uh, certainly. And so this question about the bra, I I read that a few times that I was thinking, all right, there's got to be something I'm missing here. But it sounds to me like, <laughs> like there's nothing that's important there. If she wants to keep her bra on, fine. If she wants to take it off, fine. It's whatever she feels comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, that and that's the whole idea. Of, that's the whole central uh, theme, really, of the whole birth process is that the woman is doing what she wants to do, what feels right for her, and what even what she might plan to do might not be what she finishes up doing. And Absolutely. sometimes they'll decide to get out of the water. They feel they need to, so you just follow her. 
you know, it's certainly, mm. it's never a one-size-fits-all thing, you must do this, that or the other. You're very much just going with the, what the woman's physiology is telling her and her being tuned into that and following her instincts and you can't go too far wrong. <sighs> Lois, I so much agree with that. And again, I want to be clear in saying I'm not up on this uh, labor literature anymore. But years ago, I I read a wonderful study that talked about the idea that if you let a woman labor in the way in which it feels right for her, it will be a shorter labor. And I was thinking, well, yeah. Uh, any of us that are doing anything, I don't care if we're giving birth or changing a light bulb, we have to get in a position that feels right for us. And what feels right for me is not necessarily what's going to feel right for you. So uh, here's another one that I came upon on the web. I thought this was ridiculous, but I want you to dispel this myth because this show is about dispelling the myths. It seems that a woman went to the library and checked out a book that said that breastfeeding would be difficult if she had a water birth. Now, of course, there was no reference to back that up, but the woman was pretty concerned. So I want you to affirm that you have not noticed any particular difficulty as related to a water birth and probably the opposite. Am I am I reading this right? I haven't seen any uh, reliable research to indicate that at all. Um, I can't imagine how they could validate that because it's certainly not, and I'm my experience, but I've seen nothing that would ever indicate that that would be the case. No, in fact, the reverse. Yeah. Well, that's and you know, certainly- as you were talking about following the woman and her going with what she feels is right for her in every element of the the process. There's some very good research, of course, over a long time that shows that when a woman feels in control during childbirth, she experiences a higher degree of emotional well-being postnatally. Yes. Yes. However, that may be played out. Well, I was very fascinated when you talked about the idea of being in the pool and feeling privacy and therefore feeling more confidence. The first thing that came to my mind was uh, if you notice cats, they will try to get in a little box. Or if you notice dogs, even even on a normal day, they want to have something behind them so that they feel like a predator is not coming from behind. I'm wondering if maybe this getting in the pool is the same idea. Oh, very much so. And, you know, especially for women that have maybe had uh, been violated sexually, been uh, you know, coming with a, a bit of um, pain baggage there yes. of past experiences, they often uh, come into labour and birth with um, with some deep set concerns and anxieties, and yes. that has been the case in, in in a birth pool environment, which is set up with her trusted caregivers and support people, and the environment that's protected from people barging in on her. Um, that that can be the making of, you know, a complete turnaround for those women who are who have, uh, you know, those anxieties um, to overcome in the birth process. And as you probably know, often those um, past experiences come to the fore during yes. labour and birth, uh, yes. and they may be quite surprised and not have long buried them, but they come to the fore during labour and after birth and and need to be carefully dealt with. 
but that's one of the other circumstances that I've had a few clients over the years. Um, it, it became very important for them to have their protected space and for us to respect that. Um, and, and it made all the difference to the process for them. I am not surprised. Uh, Lois, you mentioned the environment. So I'm sure that every midwife does it a little differently. Every patient probably wants it a little differently. But do you, for example, use soft music or play? Uh, the? Uh, how, what do you do with the rest of the environment? Uh, look, whatever the woman wants, but most will want, number one, privacy. Uh, and that means no one coming in and out, barging in and out, uh, arriving yes. unexpectedly, phones ringing, you know, oh, uh-huh. anything that's going to distract and disturb. Um, and mostly, uh, you know, a softly lit environment is ideal, uh, depending on whether it's day or it's night. Um, but most times there'll be a soft, softly dim lighting, it seems to help. Michelle O'Dont was our, our oh. guide mm-hmm. through, through uh, so many years ago through... Um, providing optimal environments for physiological functioning. And again, this, those environments are, are absolutely key to the, the third stage of the birth, which is really the most dangerous time, you know, when things go amiss and bleeding yes. occurs. So, yes. so we know that, we know that uh, the environment is, is extremely important uh, for uh, avoiding problems with that or minimising them. Um, so it's not just the birth of the baby, it's, it's the whole lead up and it's the, the conclusion and the completion of it with the nurturing and the breastfeeding, the oh. whole story. Oh, I'm, I'm hanging on your every last word here because this makes so much sense to me. Hey, everybody, don't go away. Midwife Lois Wattis and I will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Lois Wattis, and we're talking about water birth. So, Lois, this is all well and fine, but you have talked to us about, for instance, doing home deliveries and in special circumstances and so forth. But what about, can, can this actually happen in a hospital? And I know the answer is yes, but uh, what does it take for a hospital to even entertain this idea? I, I'm thinking that in many hospitals, I would get laughed out of my boss's office if I brought this up. Well, obviously, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of work to actually get the environment in a hospital that is, um, you know, that's going to meet all the criteria and satisfy, tick all the boxes and satisfy all the uh, critics. Um, yes. But it's certainly here, I can speak for certainly for here in Australia, and uh, there are hospitals throughout Australia who have deep water pools, uh, baths, that are set up for the woman to labour in and birth in if they wish to. Um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, risk management's a, a huge issue yes. in all hospitals for all, all yes. aspects. And, and, and the other side, flip side of the birth pro carers is the obstetricians. And uh, they come at birth from a completely different angle different, from yeah, a, absolutely. A, a, mm-hmm. a path. A path expecting pathology and, and being relieved when it works out okay and midwives come from it from the point of view this is normal this is what women have done through time and sometimes we need to do other stuff because things are not going right um so it, but somehow we need to meet in the middle and we do and uh, and hospitals in australia particularly are, are coming on board uh and providing uh the option of a deep water tub or in a very uh, progressive hospital that I work in here on the Sunshine Coast. We have 11 birth suites 
and every single one of those has a great big birth pool in it uh, and wow. that's available to the woman. However, to satisfy the concerns of the, um, the obstetric perspective, um, they, uh, they actually installed above each birth pool a hoist and the hoist oh. is electronic and uh-huh. it's designed to to be able to, if it happened that a woman collapsed or fainted or passed out and couldn't get out of the water and needed to be got out of the water, the, there's, it's a hoist system where we can lift her, get her onto a, a, a big lifting sheet, if you like, hooked on and get her out of the pool if there was an emergency. Um, so every single uh-huh. room set up like that. Um, and certainly the previous hospital that I worked in, same thing. They had a hoist set up over the bath for that reason alone, just to be able sure. to get a woman out if they had to in a hurry. Um, to my knowledge, they've never been used. <laughs> so um, that's a good thing. Lois, I want to, I guess, switch gears for a minute then. Uh, could a woman just get in a regular old bathtub in her home if she was doing okay. a, if, if, okay, how much water do you put in there? Enough so that the baby enough, would be enough submerged? To cover her. Yes, enough to cover her. Let okay. me tell you an interesting story, a, a, a little anecdotal story quickly about that. I looked after a Muslim woman uh, years ago. Uh, I never saw her without her headscarf on throughout her entire pregnancy and obviously very covered head to toe. Yes. When yes. she gave birth, she was, she was, it was her sixth baby. She had never had a midwife before. She'd never had a water birth before, but she was very keen on laboring in the bathtub, normal Good. standard bathtub, Good. which we Good. ran. Her two okay. older daughters were assisting her, and I found out that you can actually listen with a Doppler to a baby's heartbeat with a mother fully clothed in the water and the Doppler will pick up the heartbeat through the wet clothing. Whoa. She birthed birthed that baby. I took her underwear off at the very last moment, birthed her baby in that water and it was the most amazing birth for her and her daughters to witness. So there you go. That's that's with a few um, extraneous added, added extras that I had never had to deal with before but we still did it and it all was fine. And I still recall how beautiful it was when that uh, Muslim man took that baby boy and and held him towards Mecca and sang the most oh. and beautiful hymn oh. uh, to him, welcoming him and, and offering him to um, Allah. It was very moving. Oh, it's moving just to hear you talk about it. Uh, I guess oh. I'm thinking too that so many times the births that I have seen have been this noisy, uh, well-lit, a lot of visual auditory stimuli, a lot of noxious stimuli. And I'm thinking to myself, if I were a baby, would I want to come into the world like that? It seems wrong. And so I loved your word welcoming because I think that's the... We want to create that welcoming sort of environment. Would you agree? Oh, totally. Yes. Yes. And it's yes. such a it's a, such an intimate thing too. Yes. You know, we're 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 sharing the most intimate moment of a couple's oh, yes. you know life, and and you're there. T- I always felt so privileged to be sharing the yes. culmination of their intimacy, the the arrival of their baby, and to be you know a, an onlooker for seeing that family born. Um, you know, it, it just is the most wonderful 
amazing experience every single time and you never tire of it no I, I I was just going to say as many as I've seen and they've all been different Every yes. time for me, it is a miracle. Every time for me, it is like I am so fascinated that it's really happening. I feel so privileged to be there. I feel like it's just, uh, well, I remember one time it was years, uh, uh, well, I didn't know that it was years, but I was sitting uh, with my parents at a concert and before the concert began, there was this man who came up to me and he said, are you Marie? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, you helped my wife when she was in labor and giving birth to our son and so forth. And uh, always remember who I always was. remember you, yes. And, uh, and I said to him, and how old is the baby now? And he said, he's 12 years old now. <laughs> and it just underlined for me how important our role is and how families entrust to us that intimacy that they they believe that we have the skill and the compassion to bring this or help help them to help them to bring this new life in yes they they never forget who looked after them they never forget and um, I, can I, I just might. add one other thing? Can I can sure. I add something about the risk management thing that oh, we sure. talked about earlier? Sure. You can edit it in or however. Um, uh, electronic fetal monitoring um, is a very common thing oh. that's required in hospitals. Um, oh, yes. We and but in the hospital where I'm I am, we actually have a wireless electronic fetal monitoring system that it, it is compatible with the water, so oh, the women can wow. actually be monitored the the contractions and the baby's heartbeat can be monitored throughout the labor even if she's laboring in the water oh and how good is that now you realize so uh, another way yeah we've managed you know meeting in the middle with the risk management Lois, I think there's going to be a mass exodus from the United States to Australia so that women can have their babies <laughs> on your turf. This has been incredibly enlightening. Uh, I hope that all of you will consider how this might be a, at least a possibility for you and that the research clearly shows that, uh, according to Lois, that the research shows that, uh, in fact, this is very, very beneficial. It's been great to have you with us today. Lois Wattis, thank you so much for joining us on Board to be Breastfed. It's been my thrill and pleasure. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And for all of you who are wondering, you can find me at mariebiancuso.com. That is mariebiancuso.com. Don't sign up. Don't forget to sign up to be a Marie Insider. And just remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.